This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everyone. John Smoltz. If you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Hope you're doing well. Sports Business Radio is powered by Molka Sports. Learn more about them at M-A-L-K-A Sports. Com. My guest today, Nate Shackets, the co-founder and CEO of Roan, R-H-O-N-E. We're going to discuss the future of athleisure. Boy, our dress habits have changed a lot in the last two years since the pandemic hit. And I think Roan, who is a partner of Sports Business Radio, has found the void in menswear. But in addition to talking about that, Nate Shackets is going to talk about how it's not easy to start a company and be an entrepreneur. It's especially difficult to compete in the crowded menswear category, but Roan, which launched in 2014, has figured out that void in the marketplace. Nate will share his founder story, why Roan is much more than just a menswear company, and what the future of athleisure is. Did you know that late NBA commissioner David Stern was one of Roan's early investors, and Nate is going to share some of the wisdom our mutual friend and mentor shared with him. Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat, also a partner with Roan. So Nate Chackets, you'll enjoy this conversation. Anytime you can talk to someone who started a company and done as well as Nate has done and you know, really changing our world in the process by being more than just a company, uh, it's great to talk to them. So looking forward to that conversation. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great. And uh, man, I mean, like you said, David Stern, I mean, what a visionary. You know, if he is on board with it, then it's good stuff. And I love wearing my Roan pants every day. It's, uh, it's a great product and they continue to grow. So fun interview with Nate today. And uh, man, I'm just so excited with March Madness, man. We've had some games. I've been enjoying the tournament big time. How about you? Yeah, let's start there. Uh, let's talk about March Madness. So what about St. Peter's, Griggs? I mean, a 15 seed in the Sweet 16 now, they knock off number two, Kentucky. I love on social media when they showed St. Peter's Gymnasium, this little small 
gymnasium that looks like an eighth grade gymnasium in New Jersey. And then Kentucky's huge arena and how Kentucky's assistant coaches all make more than the head coach makes at St. Peter's. Anytime you see Cinderella make it to the big dance, it's kind of fun to watch, isn't it? Man, it just reminded me of that scene in Hoosiers when the uh, the uh, Hoosier team walks into the big stadium. They're like, is this really 10 feet tall? Are the courts the same length and all this stuff? So same identical thing. And I love it. It is so fun seeing the Cinderella's and their uniforms are a little bit cheaper looking. But hey, they're out there balling. I love it. It's so fun. Good story. Well, and look, as much as we love to see Cinderella, the tournament thrives on the recognizable teams and the favorites as well. Coach K still in it. This is his last season. That's good for CBS and Turner. Arizona, still in it. What a, a thrilling game they had against TCU in overtime. Uh, you know, you've got Kansas in it. You've got Gonzaga in it still. So a lot of the favorites are still in it. I've got three of my final four teams remaining, Gonzaga, Arizona, and UCLA. How's your bracket looking? Yep, I have two of those. Uh, I have Arizona and Gonzaga still in it, but everything else is gone for me. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people, including me, picked Iowa as a dark horse, not to get to the Final Four, but to get through a few rounds. They went out. I had Murray State getting through a few rounds. They went out. So, you know, you see some of these teams. And then Baylor, the defending champs, they go down. And then Griggs on the women's side, my gosh, so many upsets. So that's been fun to watch because a lot of people, you know, have said like, Women's basketball, you know, we want to see those upsets just like we see on the men's side. And the women's programs are so strong that a lot of times we see those, you know, really strong programs just knock off the lower seeds in advance. But a lot of upsets on the women's side. Uh, We don't have the TV ratings yet, but I'm imagining big numbers for the men and the women in weekend number one. I talked to so many people. I saw a lot of buzz about it on social media. So I think people watching both tournaments. Yeah, man, I've been really into the women's tournament. It has been absolutely compelling. Every game down to the wire, some upsets. And it's kind of fun because they play in the home stadium. So like I was watching the Iowa game, that thing was packed. I mean, the crowd was going nuts. It's just so fun to see. And I love how it's just kind of same time as the men's and uh, man, fun basketball either side. All right, let's look at some more headlines. Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for six draft picks. And if that's not enough, He signs a record $230 million contract, all guaranteed. Griggs, this is really interesting to me. So, you know, Cleveland, you're not going to get a ton of free agents. I get it. But Deshaun Watson, who has 22 civil suits against him, they outbid other teams by a long shot. You're giving him $230 million, which I think the next closest contract is Aaron Rodgers which is $150 million guaranteed. So Cleveland's all in. They say they did their due diligence on him. I can't imagine that the NFL is not going to suspend him at least six games like they did Ben Roethlisberger several years ago. But it's a risk. It's a huge risk, and you've gone all in. And again, in the NFL, when you give that guaranteed money, it's guaranteed. So if this blows up in the Browns' face or Deshaun Watson isn't what they think he is or he you know, gets in more trouble or he misses more games, that's $230 million and six draft picks. You've literally mortgaged your, your team's future for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting, too. Like you mentioned, uh, he's got some off the field issues he's got to deal with still. And yeah, what if the first six games of the season he's suspended 
they just threw all this money and they still don't have a quarterback for half the season. So, man, it's the uh, it's the off season of the QB, right? Matt Ryan also gone. Man, big stories the last couple of weeks. Uh, Russell Wilson and uh, who knows if there are more on the block. Yeah. So two things there. One, I'm really interested in seeing how the NFL handles the Deshaun Watson situation. How many games is he going to be suspended? Is he going to be suspended? I mean, if he's not suspended, I think there's going to be an outcry like we haven't seen in a long time. Again, Ben Roethlisberger seems to be the bar here with at least six games. Will it be more? I'm also interested to see how Major League Baseball handles Trevor Bauer. Two separate situations, but it's cases where the league has to decide, are we going to suspend the player? And if so, how long are we going to suspend them for? So keep your eyes on those stories. As you mentioned, Griggs, the quarterback carousel beyond Deshaun Watson. So you've got Matthew Stafford signs an extension with the Rams for $160 million. Matt Ryan, after 14 years in Atlanta, gets traded to the Colts. Marcus Mariota is on his way to the Falcons, signs a two-year deal to replace Matt Ryan. Jameis Winston re-ups with the Saints. Baker Mayfield and Jimmy G, and you know you still got some quarterbacks out there. Where are they going to go? But it has been a whirlwind of activity in the NFL, Griggs. Well, I think and we've talked about NFL's king, but it's all year. The sport is all year now because there's so much in the offseason. There's so much in the preseason, the extended season now, the playoffs. It's literally all year long you're watching NFL stories. So it's always fun to see how this develops. But man, there's going to be some different looking teams this year for sure. All right. The MLB hot stove is also hot. So Freddie Freeman, we wondered, okay, Matt Olson got traded to the Braves. He's going to play first base. What does that mean for Freddie Freeman? He's going to the Dodgers. So he's a SoCal kid. He goes home. Chris Bryant goes to the Rockies on a big contract. Seven years, $180 million plus. The biggest surprise of the free agency period, though, is Carlos Correa from the Astros to the Twins. They sign him to a big contract. He's got some opt-outs, but usually the Twins aren't competing with the big markets, but they go big on Carlos Correa. Trevor Story goes to the Red Sox, and as I said, Matt Olson was traded to the Braves. So lots of activity in Major League Baseball as well. We know there was a work stoppage. We know there was a backlog of teams wanting to do things, and it's like, Things got resolved, Griggs, and the floodgates opened, and now there's signings and trades every day. Yeah, it's fun to watch, and I've been watching some uh, spring ball, too. It's just nice to have baseball back in the air, and uh, you know the weather's starting to get nicer. I'm looking forward to seeing some baseball, so good to have it back. I'm looking forward to the regular season, and I think uh, we're seeing some big moves. I think the Dodgers are making moves to try and compete. I think if the Angels can stay healthy for a season, they might be in there, too, so we'll see what happens. All right, our last headline, Al Michaels. Headed to Amazon to join Kirk Herbstreet, our friend, on Thursday night football. So Al Michaels has worked for NBC, ABC. Uh, he's now working at Amazon. But I'm interested in hearing Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet on Thursday night football on Amazon. I think they're going to be a good pair. They've never worked together before. But, you know, Kirk is a pro's pro. Al Michaels is a legend. I think it's going to be a good match. Oh, yeah. I saw when they uh, said that Kirk was joining. I'm like, this is going to be fun because, I mean, who doesn't like Al Michaels? And Kirk, with his knowledge of football, I mean, he knows all these kids from college uh, doing all the college stuff for ESPN. I think it's a great match. It's going to be fun seeing on Amazon, see how they uh, work around that that crew. And uh, yeah, moving parts in all aspects, right? Even broadcasting. Crazy. 
All right, Griggs, we want to remind our audience that Roan is the official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. Excited for our conversation with Nate Chackets, the founder and CEO today. I've been a fan of their company for a long time. They make the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Look, we're working from home more and more, and when I'm working from home, I love being comfortable, like I'm recording this right now, and I've got my guru pants on. I love the spar joggers. I'm wearing hoodies like every day now. They've got the rain uh, flex knit hoodies. Um, so, and they've got a variety of different colors. If I'm out at a meeting or I'm conducting a webinar or something on camera, I'm wearing my commuter shirt, my commuter pant. Um, I love their quarter inch zip. They just have really figured it out how to be comfortable and how to be performance-driven at the same time. I'm telling you, give them a try, and you're going to be happy that you did. Roan is offering Sports Business Radio podcast listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to Roan.com. That's R-H-O-N-E.com. Enter the promo code SBR15 at checkout, and you're going to receive 15% off your purchase. That's Roan.com, and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout. Coming up next, Nate Chekets, the co-founder and CEO of Roan. I love talking to entrepreneurs. I love hearing the founder story. We're going to hear all of that coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. My guest is Nate Chekets. He is the co-founder and CEO of Roan. You can follow him on Twitter at Nate Chekets. You can follow Roan online at R-H-O-N-E.com. Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. They're the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I have loved their product for a long time. I wear it every day. Nate, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm great. Brian, it's great to be outfitting you and, and great to be on the show. Yeah, I will get into athleisure in a moment, but uh, gosh, I just, with all of us working from home, you guys have figured it out, how to make clothing that, that works for people like me every day. But let's start out with how was Roan founded? Yeah, well, you know, I appreciate you saying that. And I, you know, before we get into it, I'll just say, not a day of the pandemic went by where I didn't hear from somebody, a friend or somebody that I had, had come across a customer. And they'd be like, literally, all I have worn during the pandemic is Rome. And uh, I, I'd like to think that we were smart enough to prepare for a global pandemic in terms of our product design and, and, uh, and, and choices on fabric selection. But it really, we just tried to, we tried to build a product line that is made for the way today's guy moves, works, and sweats. And, you know, it just happened to be that it's all anybody wanted to wear um, for for two years. So we were we were beneficiaries of it, um, of the changes in, in clothing style. But Rome was really founded on this kind of pretty simple idea. We felt like brands were stuck between being like super active and making bright neon colors and huge logos across the chest. And then you know, kind of lifestyle uh, product that you could wear out with your friends, but you couldn't really do anything else in. And we just saw the way that guys were bucketing their clothing choices. The easiest way to see this is if you walk into a guy's closet, right? Um, and 
again, kind of seven plus years ago when we got started, it'd be like, this is what I can wear to work. This is what I can wear, hang out with my friends. This is what I can wear uh, to go work out in. And we felt like, why are you choosing between all of these different things? You can make clothing that's incredibly comfortable, functional, and versatile to do pretty much everything that you need to do. And um, it was really rooted in just picking and selecting best-in-class fabrics, in some cases developing some of our own proprietary fabrics and technologies. And um, yeah, it's been an unbelievable adventure and journey. We've had some good success along the way. And, you know, we really still feel like we're just getting started. When did the idea first come to you? When was your aha moment where you went, okay, this is a competitive <laughs> space, but but I'm joining the fray and I'm going to do it better than anyone? Well, I mean, the true story is that uh, so my younger brother, Ben, who's our creative director and my co-founder, he, um, he was dating a Canadian girl who thankfully now is his, his wife. Um, and, uh, and this was probably, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, nine years ago now, I think. And, um, and so they were, you know, this was her first time coming to be with the family for the holidays. And uh, she said to my mom, hey, are you familiar with this Canadian brand, Lululemon? And my mom was kind of on the fringe. Lulu hadn't like fully broken into the Northeast um, to its level of popularity. And so they went into the store. My mom bought everybody a pair of sweatpants for the holidays. She usually gives everybody in the family like clothes for Christmas. It's just her, her thing. And so Christmas morning comes around and we open it up and I was like, oh, wow, thanks, mom. Appreciate the sweatpants. And my brother-in-law was like, whoa, I'm not wearing these. Like this, the brand is called Lululemon. Look at the logo. Look at the packaging. And I was kind of like, well, yeah, but the sweatpants are, I don't know, seem really comfortable. Maybe I won't wear them outside the house. I'm definitely wearing them inside the house. And um, a few weeks later, I'm working at the NFL. I'm in the corporate headquarters of the National Football League. And Budweiser, our lead partner, sends some women's product uh, for an event that we have coming up and uh, or some product for an event coming up. And the women's product is Lululemon and the men's product is Nike. And I'm kind of, you know, I, ha- I hadn't been at the league a long time, but I make the mistake of opening my mouth up and, and saying, that's so weird because Lululemon makes men's clothing. I just got a pair of sweatpants for Christmas. And the guy right next to me turns around. He's like one of my best friends in the world now. But he said, oh, that's cool. Do you buy your underwear at Victoria's Secret? Oh. And <laughs> I was I was like mortified. And I, you know, I didn't know what to say. I kind of like backed off quickly. I was like, oh, no, my mom got it for Christmas. And uh, like, I don't regularly wear the product. But I, I called, you know, my brother-in-law and my brother up. And I was like, Hey, remember this conversation we had at Christmas? It seems like this is a real thing. Like, guys don't want to wear this brand, but because they're direct to consumer, they can invest more in the quality of the product and they have a direct distribution model. And everything was becoming kind of DTC, digital first retail businesses, and all of these huge brick and mortar um, uh, dependent businesses were, were in real trouble. And so we felt like, okay, when we mapped it out, you had 250 female-focused athletic brands and no men's brand that had direct distribution models 
and kind of use premium fabrications and products like zero. The only ones that we could find were ones that were like really niche or focused on a, an individual sport like cycling or triathlons. And um, so, yeah, that's that was the genesis for the idea. And we said, well, you know, maybe we can do it. And, um, you know, we're quickly told by everybody what a what a bad idea it was. Well, they didn't know what they were talking about. And and like you said, who knew a pandemic was coming? I mean, Nate, I used to walk into my closet and my choices were I can wear a suit if I'm going to something dressy or I'm going to be on stage at an event. Right. I can wear jeans, which, okay, you know, somewhat comfortable, but, you know, I don't want to wear jeans every day. Or I could just wear like, you know, some some sweatpants, but they didn't really feel dressy enough or something that I could wear yeah. You know, if I was going out in public and I got to tell you, and I'm not just saying this, I wear the guru pant or the spark joggers from Roan every day now. Like <laughs> there's not a day that goes by that I'm not wearing those things. And, you know, obviously if I'm going to be on stage at an event, I'm wearing the commuter pant or the commuter shirt, something a little more dressy. But yeah. The fact that you figured out how to make something that looks nice, that is also, you know, this athleisure and it, it's not, I don't know, like I'm 53 years old. I didn't want to be walking around with baggy sweatpants and, yeah. you know, this huge <laughs> oversized hoodie. You have the rain tech hoodie that looks really nice. And boy, hoodies have become popular, haven't they? In the last yeah. couple of years, you can wear them on a, on a zoom or you can wear them out in public, but you guys found kind of that middle ground between my dress suit and my jeans or my sweats. And, and I love it. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, a couple things have happened. It's like closets have consolidated for men where you don't have this kind of crazy range where you're going from like complete slob look, which is big baggy sweatpants or like buttoned up, uh, you know, dress suit. It's kind of shrunk into this middle section of highly versatile performance driven clothing. And you come to expect it, you know, when you, when you, I always tell people like, look, you don't have to believe me. I'm not going to try and sell you anything. Just, just try the product. You try the product, walk around and and tell me that your life isn't better or you're not more comfortable as a result of it. Because the, the easiest test case for this is travel. If you get on an airplane and this, this was absolutely the case when we were getting started and you, you just described it. It's like you're getting on an airplane and if you don't have to wear something for work, like, you know, let's say you're not going straight into a meeting. You see guys tend to go one of two different directions. They will either dress like the inside 17-year-old that they still are, which is like, you know, kind of like super sloppy, sweatpanty look. Or they go with this like somewhat uncomfortable jean khaki polo combo, which doesn't look great either and also isn't super comfortable. And so we kind of said – there's, there's got to be a way to make product for that exact setting that you feel like you're cheating by wearing these types of pants. And I remember um, I worked for a guy at the, at the NFL named Brian Rolap, who's uh, you know, really the chief commercial officer. He kind of runs all of the revenue. And, um, and he said to me, Nate, I just flew from New York to L.A. in the commuter pants, went straight into a meeting. 
and nobody like said anything. He's like, I honestly feel like I'm cheating. This isn't, this shouldn't be allowed. These pins are too comfortable for me to be allowed to like comfortably walk in a business set. I mean, here's a guy who could be, you know, the future commissioner of the NFL. And he's, you know, these pants, I, I, I really believe in our product. I believe that we make, we, we make the absolute best product for who our customer is and we only make product for men. And, um, and so we try and do it better than anybody else. We both, uh, were friends with late NBA commissioner, David Stern. I know from our previous conversation a few years ago, he was, uh, you know, he, he's such a smart business person. What was some of the advice that he gave you early on? Well, I'll never forget when he agreed to invest in the business. I sent him the docs and his entity came back that he, you know, was investing out of. And it was called Micromanagement Ventures. <laughs> and anybody who knew David Stern, like just immediately gets it because he he used to say things like, you know, micromanagement is highly underrated. And, um, you know, he, he just believed in like being all in working really, really hard. And it's the way he was wired. I mean, we, our little teeny tiny company would throw these events early on with partners and he would come, he would show up. And, um, and I just thought, man, alive, the way this guy lives, he's just kind of all in on everything he does. Um, he's really such an exceptional human and, um, yeah, I mean, he used to tell me, gosh, the garment business is so hard, you know, it's so tricky. I don't know if you guys are going to make it, but I love your stuff and just keep going. Like he just, I don't know. He was kind of just a persistent, consistent kind of guy. And I learned far more from just watching him and observing him than, than anything else. He was also really, really well read. Like, you'd get with him and he would reference that morning's paper or a story that was happening in the news media. And like he, he read the, the paper front to back every single day. And uh, yeah, I just, I admired how kind of plugged in he was with everything that was going on. Yeah. He was a true visionary. He saw trends and things developing before most people saw them. So you know, if you were able to sit down with him, you felt like you were tapping into a genius because, you know, he could he could kind of tell you, well, here's some of the things that are coming down the road. I truly felt every time I talked to him, and this was, you know, obviously long before he passed or, or years before he passed, I just felt like I was talking to like a piece of history. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it just, I felt like every conversation was special. He, he, what he did to the NBA, to, to me, he's the greatest commissioner of all time. Agreed. Um, and I think like, I don't think there, I mean, you could say that um, Tagliabue was, you know, obviously transformative for the NFL, but I just think, I just think what he did with the NBA in the time frame that he did it, it, it was transformative. I, <laughs> Not a lot of people know this, but, you know, my, so my dad um, became a general manager in, um, in the NBA at age 28. I'm just general manager in NBA history. And, um, and when he got the offer to take the job, my grandfather was so nervous about the decision to go become a general manager of an NBA team. 
he tried to get him hired as a um, uh, to, to manage an auto dealership, a local <laughs> auto dealership. Wow, that's that was kind of the the frame of reference. And and Stern, I believe at the time was the deputy commissioner. It came to the commissioner, I want to say in like eighty six. 84. Um, 84? Yep. Yeah. So I, this was right around that time. And, you know, over the over the next 30 years, he just transformed the league. He was just an incredibly special person. Well, and it says so much about you and Roan that David Stern, who is a super smart guy, invested in your company early on. So, you know, I'm sure that gave you a lot of confidence. It did. He was, I remember when we, I gave him the first product, he was like, whoa, he's like, Nate, I see everything. This is different. And, um, yeah, it, it, it definitely gave, gave us confidence and, you know, just to be able to reference that we knew him and he supported us. He's, he's, he's dearly missed by a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Especially these last two years, I think he would have been a real leader in helping us navigate through all of this. So, all right, we've talked about yeah. the founder story. We've talked about why Roan is unique. You identify inspiring men to work and partner with. What's the criteria that you're looking for when you're working with people? Well, you know, our we've always believed that Roan needs to be much more than a clothing company. We want to build a brand that inspires a lifestyle. And that lifestyle is not one of simply athletic pursuits. It's a lifestyle of balance. One of the main things that drove us as we thought about the brand architecture and brand voices, you know, I didn't feel like any of these massive activewear companies really spoke to me as an individual. I, you know, it was kind of all about athletic performance. It was everybody's an athlete and, you know, protect this house and, you know, all these different taglines of athletic, you know, run faster, jump higher, lift more weights. And look, I believe in being active and healthy. I'm, you know, I, I, I move and sweat every single day. I'm super committed to it, but that is a small portion of who I am as an individual. And it's a small portion of where I spend my, you know, where I spend my time and my, my thoughts. And so I wanted a brand to speak to me about how I balance my mental health how I thought about my, you know, balancing my priorities as a father, as a husband, as, you know, as, uh, as an executive. And, um, it might seem, uh, it might seem like an overreach that a brand should even have any aspect of your life that way. But we think about those things. We think about, I mean, I, I use this example that when I was at the NFL, we were suit and tie every day. That's since changed, but I have three boys at home. And when I would come home, you know, the first thing they would want to do was run and jump and climb up on me. And I nearly tore through like three suits, you know, getting down on the ground and playing with them. And it just seemed ridiculous to me that you couldn't make a product that would look as good in a professional setting as it would, you know, and then, then you'd want to like sit on the couch and be with your family. And so we think about all of those things. We think about the way men live, work, and sweat today. And we want to make product that you can throw it in your bag. You can pull it out. It's not going to be wrinkled. It's not going to smell. It's going to wash in a washing machine. You don't have to send it to the dry cleaner. I mean, when people talk about our dress shirts being expensive and um, I, I say, 
don't buy any other dress shirt. And after you sent it to the dry cleaners five times, you would have gotten our shirt for free. Like I, I fundamentally, and by the way, you would have been far more comfortable if you put our dress shirt on first. We make the most comfortable dress shirt on planet Earth. And, um, and I just think, you know, it all comes back to this idea of trying to, trying to enhance the way guys live. And maybe it's, maybe, again, maybe it's an overreach, but I think when people are comfortable and when they feel better, they treat each other better, they treat themselves better. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's the small role we can play in society to try and build a company that stands for more than just athletic performance. You guys have a whole online content area where you talk about mental health and you talk about some of the things beyond just the clothing. And and I think it's great because like you said, especially in the last couple of years, like we're thinking about a lot more than just what we're wearing or, um, you know, our job, like there's a lot going on and you're really speaking, I think to me and, and to men on a different level. Yeah, I, it's what we try to do. It's what we strive to do. I'm not sure we get it right 100% of the time, but I'll tell you during the pandemic, I, we, had this, we had this situation happen where, you know, right as the pandemic started, all of these big retailers were sending emails to consumers. I don't know if you remember this, but it was like, hey, this is our pandemic plan. We're closing our stores. We've closed our offices. We're keeping our employees safe. And I got like eight of them in a six hour period. And then our team was like, Oh my gosh, we got to send one of these emails. And I was like, why? Our customer is worried about like having sufficient resources for their family. They're worried about a potential economic collapse. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do at managing, you know, school and work at home. They don't care what we're doing with our retail stores, you know, with all due respect, like, that's not what's on their mind. And speaking to the customer about what's on our mind is selfish and we're not going to do it. So instead, we sent an email that said, I think the subject line was not another COVID-19 email. And it said, hey, we're thinking about you. If you want to know what we're doing with our stores and our offices, click here. And there's a little blurb about it. But it said, here's 30 days of uh, workouts that you can do from home with no equipment. Here's you know, the 30 best things on all the streaming channels that you can watch and spend time on. And here's some recipes that you can generate in your kitchen with, you know, super common ingredients that are healthy. And here's some things to do with your kids. It's kind of like boom, 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 boom. And I remember we got like, I don't even remember how many inbound emails we got from customers saying like, thank you. This was the email I wanted to receive. And, um, and that's what we try and think about from a content perspective is if we are so in the minds of our customers and we are because we live that lifestyle, then we should be able to have the outfit and the uniform and the curated products that match back to that. Yeah, that's great. I, I love it. Um, you guys have expanded to retail stores and I think you yeah. just opened a spot in Southern California on the West Coast. Two, yeah. Okay, so give me that strategy there. You're direct to consumer, and again, that's how I consume you. I love making my order, and I got to tell you, your your customer service and how the product arrives and everything is first class. Like it gets here right on time. They tell me when it's coming. It's tracking all the way. Like it has been flawless every time. But there are people that want to go in 
to the store and they want to try on the clothes and they want to touch and feel it. Give me your reasoning for doing both. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a couple of things. One, even though these companies that were so heavily concentrated in brick and mortar were, were struggling and have been struggling over the last 10 years, it doesn't mean that retail is, you know, kind of all, all bad, you know, it's similar to radio, right? Like all of a sudden when podcasting started growing and, um, and, uh, and everybody's like, radio's dead, but radio isn't dead. It's just not the same market share that it had, you know, for the previous 50 years. And, you know, retail is similar. 70 plus percent of all clothing is still purchased in person. And for us to just completely ignore that as a channel, we'd be missing a big um, portion of the market. And then, you know, as, as much success as we feel like we may have had, um, we have to remind ourselves that there's still a huge percentage of the population that's never even heard of us before. And stores can be a really great way at acquiring new customers, especially with rising online acquisition costs. And so we believe in this omni-channel market where we say, hey, we want to show up in places where we know we have customers and where we have lookalike customers so that we can acquire more. Um, And we want our customers to have a physical representation of who the brand is so that when they get in person, they can touch, they can feel, they can see. And to your point, some people just really love shopping in person. They, you know, they like to try it on for the first time and they like to see the colors. Um, I'm not that way. And uh, I know, I know, you know, obviously newer uh, or some customers just aren't wired that way, but, um, but I actually have fallen in love with the retail world. It'll never be our biggest point of distribution. Um, We'll always be kind of a, a digital first business, but I, I can absolutely see a path to us having quite a few stores um, in key markets where, uh, you know, where we want to meet our customer and give them the experience. So where are your stores currently? So we have seven stores now. We're opening more, but um, we've got three in New York, two in, uh, in kind of the greater Los Angeles area, um, and uh, one, in, uh, one in Connecticut. Um, and uh, what am I missing? Oh, and one in Boston on Newberry Street. Great. Those are great locations. So, all right, we've talked about the the transformation of, of the man's closet. Um, what is the future of athleisure as we have this continued push towards comfort, in your opinion? Yeah, I was joking about this with someone the other day. It's like, if you watch every sci-fi movie that's set, you know, whatever, hundreds of years in the future... It's like everybody's wearing the same kind of uniform. It's like stretched neoprene suits. Yeah. I I don't know that we're going to get there anytime soon. But what I do fundamentally believe is that stretch, comfort, recovery, um, and textile technology that can really be additive to the body is is the future. You know, this idea that everybody's wearing an aura ring or a whoop band or um, an Apple watch or some level of the quantified self. And there's been a push to put this into clothing so that the clothing would actually measure and track, you know, your performance, your oxygenation levels. And the truth is, is I really don't believe in that as a market. I don't think customers know what to do with that data. And I don't think the data is substantially better than, um, than these other devices or trackers, not to mention 
if you think about it, you might have one tech-enabled shirt, but if you really want a consistency of the data set, you need to have all of your product do that for you. So instead, when I think about textile technology, I think about technology that really fades into the background, that's doing work that you don't even have to, it doesn't distract you, it doesn't pull you away from what you're doing. And these are things that can like, you know, we're looking and working with technologies that can actually increase capillary blood flow um, to improve recovery times. We're looking at compression garments that can enhance a workout or, um, you know, actually uh, drive you to, to um, muscle fatigue faster. We're looking at technologies that can, um, you know, soothe skin and can help you uh, on that on that side. We've already pioneered um, a technology called Gold Fusion that uses gold and silver nanoparticles to fight odor and bacteria. And after 100 washes, it's 98% effective still against odor. And it's non-toxic and it's eco-friendly, which all of our competition uses pesticides in their um, odor fighting products. So there's a lot that's happening in kind of the R&D space, but I kind, of, I kind of just shun this idea that clothing needs to be software driven and you know, has to have a hardware component. I think we're all a little tired of that. And there's already great solutions for it that will just get better and better. And so um, I think it's nice for a futurist to say that our clothing is going to talk to our smartphones. I sure hope that doesn't happen in my lifetime because I have no desire for it to. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I want something comfortable. I want something that is long lasting and doesn't disintegrate after yes. five washes. And I want something that yes. looks presentable and nice. And, you know, I, like you said earlier, I'm, I don't look like my 17 year old self. I, I look like, you know, <laughs> I'm my age and I'm not like we're in the super baggy clothes. And, and again, Roan gives me all of those things. So I don't, I have my Apple watch. I don't need something on my garment that also tells me, you know, what my body is doing. Yeah, for sure. I'm, yeah, I'm completely with you. All right. Last question for you. You are the chairman of beyond type one. Tell us how you got involved with that. I know there's a story there and I want you to share that with our listeners if you're comfortable with doing that. Yeah. So when I was, um, 25 years old, uh, I, uh, my wife and I took a trip to Europe and we had been saving up. We, you know, we couldn't really afford it right when we got married. And, um, and so we went backpacking all through Europe and we came back and, um, stopped in New York to see my parents. And my dad said to me, something's wrong with you. It was like first thing out of his mouth. And I was like, uh, got a little son while we were traveling. He's like, you've lost like a significant amount of weight. And I was like, I don't think that's true. I, I feel great. And I went and got on the scale and I had lost 30 pounds over the previous like 35, 40 days. Wow. Um, and you know, I'm not an overly big guy. I'm about six feet and have weighed almost 180 pounds every day since I was in high school. Like I, my weight doesn't fluctuate very much. So I scheduled an appointment to go to the doctor the next day. And he very quickly diagnosed me as, as being um, a type one diabetic. And now diabetes is, there's obviously two big types of diabetes, type one and type two. Type one used to be called juvenile diabetes um, because it was mainly diagnosed in, in children. And it's an autoimmune disorder. It means that your pancreas is no longer producing insulin to break down 
the carbohydrates that come into your body and convert those carbohydrates into energy. Um, whereas type 2 diabetes, uh, you become insulin resistant. Your body still is producing insulin, but it, um, it's not, the insulin isn't working. It's, uh, it, you know, this, the net result is the same, but the cause and the effect are different. And, um, and so I remember when I got diagnosed, I was like, well, how do I, how do I fix this? How do I solve this? And, you know, it is, it, it's an incurable disease um, today. And uh, for the first really 10 years of my diabetes life, I lived it mostly in isolation, going to the doctor, getting my blood sugars managed, you know, wearing an insulin pump um, and, uh, and trying to just, you know, manage life while getting the business off the ground. Um, had some scary moments along the way, but um, I got introduced to uh, the organization Beyond Type 1, which was founded by Nick Jonas and a few others. And um, they asked me if I would join the board and um, I was privileged and honored to do so. And um, in my second year as a board member, they asked if I would captain the marathon team and um, and run the New York Marathon with uh, with 30 other Type 1 runners. And, and then they asked if I would serve as chairman. And so I've, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to serve in that capacity. It's an incredible community. Um, anyone who knows someone who's been impacted by type 1 diabetes knows that it changes their entire life. On average, a type 1 diabetic has to make hundreds of extra decisions a day mm. above and beyond that of, uh, of a typical person trying to understand how every single thing they do, whether it's movement to the food they eat to um, uh, to the amount they sleep, to how much they work out is impacting their blood sugar range. And, uh, and the advances have been fantastic over the last five years. And I really do believe that in my lifetime, we will see a cure for this disease. So, um, we're, we're marching on that path and I'm really energized about it. Great work by you. It's just another one of the things that makes you special and unique, um, I just, you're an innovator, you're a good person, you're doing stuff to make our world a better place. I love your product. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm in Portland, Oregon. I'm in the backyard of <laughs> Nike and Adidas giants, North yeah. American headquarters. And I'm not just saying this, I am team Roan now. I, I really uh, love, I appreciate and, and I've worn, you know, I've worn Nike for my entire life and you guys have figured out how to make a product that is just, you know, the highest quality, but also looks good. And, you know, I'm 53 years old. I, I don't want to wear the super baggy clothes anymore. Like I want to wear clothes that, that look nice and, and look like, you know, a 53 year old would wear. So kudos to everything that you're doing. I'm so excited for our partnership with you and uh, discontinued success to you. Awesome. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a listener of the program and I love you know, how you, how you focus on the business aspect of sports as somebody who grew up in the space, watching my dad, it's like, to me, it is, it's my entertainment. I actually love the business aspect of sports so much more. And, um, and so you, you do a great job and you, you've, uh, we're, we're privileged and honored to outfit you and to be a partner on the show. Nate Chackets, the co-founder and CEO of Roan. You can follow him on Twitter at Nate Chackets. And you can find Roan online at rhone.com. Nate, thanks again. Thanks, Brian. 
Underdog Fantasy is the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. It's the fastest growing fantasy app ever with investors that include Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and Jared Goff. And Griggs, they've got a March Madness game going on right now. So if you come in the game and, and play Pick'em, which I play Pick'em and Rivals a lot, Every time that Houston plays, the University of Houston, you're going to get an odds boost for one pick'em slip, including a player from the Houston team. So the odds boosts are substantial, uh, and you decide the other players to include in your slip. If you use the code SBR when you sign up, you get your first deposit matched up to $100. So if you put $100 down, Underdog Fantasy is going to give you $100. If you put $50 down, Underdog will give you $50, but up to $100, they will match your deposit. This is a fun time of year. I've been uh, doing pretty well with the NBA pickums and rivals recently. So go to underdogfantasy.com and download the app. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.